Come in. I'm Tammy Grimes. Today I'm especially happy because I'm going to play the historic role of a woman I have admired for years, Catherine the Great. Play her in a drama of love, of desperation, of ambition and murder, of unexpected deaths at the hands of emperors and noblemen and kings. Bring to life this fantastic empress who ruled and loved Russia. Yet to her son Paul, she was a murderess. Catherine, your highness. Your husband Peter is dead. Dead? Oh, Lord in heaven. How did it happen? Gregory, you promised to guard him. I didn't want him dead. Peter had been very ill since he was deposed. I'd say as much mental as physical. Don't talk nonsense, Gregory. Peter was weak, but he would hardly die because I, Catherine, took the throne from him. How was he killed? Someone poisoned him. When he wouldn't die, someone else strangled him. Our mystery drama, The Great Catherine, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis. I shall return shortly with that one. A German princess married into Russian royalty and became the legendary Catherine the Great. They say love was her mainspring, that she took husbands and lovers for nourishment, to cure loneliness, to remain young, that she had a hand in the murder of her first husband, Peter III. It depends who you believe. Our belief is none of the above. Ours is that Catherine enjoyed only one honeymoon all her life, and that was her honeymoon with power. To unburden his heart and recount the tragedy as he saw it, we hear now from the only rightful heir to the Russian throne, Catherine's son, Paul. I was seven years old. It was a Sunday morning. I was always allowed to play in Mother's room on a Sunday morning. I had all my soldiers out on the floor when Uncle Gregory came in. Uncle Gregory comes and goes as he likes in the palace. He... He's a war hero. Catherine, I, uh, I think little Paul should go back to the nursery. There's something I have to say to you. Nurse Olga isn't here. I can't send him away alone. I don't know that he should hear this. Nonsense, Gregory. The child is only eight. He's amusing himself with his soldiers. Let him be. He won't understand what you're saying. Mother was right. I didn't understand. It was only years later I realized what had transpired that Sunday morning. What a day and night it has been, Catherine. Dad. How, how did it happen, Gregory? But how could it? I didn't want my husband dead. Every man in Russia wanted the monster dead. How was he killed? I must know the truth. I'll tell you what I know. Now, I had nothing to do with it. I want to believe you, Gregory. I'm waiting to hear your part in the murder. Great heavens. To kill a king? The world would think us barbarians. He abdicated. Uh, the world would think he died like a man. Gregory, you don't understand me at all, do you? All you can do is give me oratory. He died as a man. I don't want fairy tales. 
I, Catherine of Russia, want the truth. I am sorry, Your Majesty. You definitely wish to know the details of exactly how the monster died. Stop calling him that. If I wish to think of my husband as monstrous, that is my privilege. Leave it to history to decide which czar was worthy. Again, I apologize. Now, his death... Are you sure little Paul is not taking this in? He's in the corner loading his toy cannon. He doesn't understand a word. Go on. Very well. My brother Alexis had armed all the sentries at Rupshaw where Peter was detained. He kept the blinds drawn so no one could see him, an exar, imprisoned. Then he fell very sick and had a severe attack of the colic. Go on. Wednesday, Dr. Ludus came. Thursday, he called in Dr. Paulson for a second opinion, and then suddenly your husband recovered. My brother in Teplov didn't know what to do. That was Friday. So Peter recovered. He got out of bed, put on some clothes, and at two o'clock sat down to dinner. And then he complained of pains in the stomach. What did the murderers use? Rat poison? It's very easy to buy. The poison did not kill him. So we had to take matters into our own hands. Hands? But now he is quite dead. You swear, Gregory? How he died is between my brother and me. We both know. We shall never say. May I be the first then to say to you, long live Catherine II, Empress of all the Russias. Your Majesty, do you think it wise to travel way out of the small villages by yourself in a sleigh? Well, I'm not by myself, Gregory. I am with you. Yes, but you refuse to take along your guards. In the three villages we visited this morning, did you see any danger? Don't you understand? One must go alone, quite plainly, unassumingly, so I can see for myself exactly how my people live. If I give them advance notice of my arrival, they will dress up in their very best and throw flowers at my carriage. That way I can learn absolutely nothing to help reform their miserable lives. Is a Russian so unhappy his life should be made better? Gregory... As a soldier, you have traveled the country. You should know better than that. Serfs, peasants, beaten and ill-treated. Slaves. Isn't that terribly wrong? Whatever you accomplish will be to your glory. Speeches. I don't know why I'm as fond of you as I am. As the Lord is my witness, I have no wish for glory. If Russia becomes glorious, then so do I. Today, all Europe considers us backward and barbaric. But that I shall change. Ah, you have plans, little one. Little one. Little one is going to join the Caspian to the Black Sea and establish trade routes from China. That's just the beginning. If that were to happen, Russia would be more powerful than all the empires of Asia and Europe. Ah, you're becoming as wise as you are handsome. It's the day I look to, when no one will dare resist Russia's unlimited power. And the serfs and peasants who have been with us since these hundreds of years. What do you propose there? Even you, Gregory, must believe it's against justice to make men born free into slaves. Liberty is the soul of everything. Who is making the speeches now? Your Highness, we are here. This is the village of Costino. Drive to the town hall. The mayor is waiting for the Tsarina. <laughs> Ah, 
I cannot tell you what an honor it is. Na, Nezubov, please. Let me do the talking. Of course, of course. How many people in your village have I seen this afternoon? How many? Um, about a quarter. But they are all loyal subjects to your worship, believe me. I have no doubt. I didn't come to Costino to observe the loyalty of my subjects. Of course you didn't, Your Highness. I came to see the conditions under which they exist. The other 75% who live here, they live the same way? Oh, yes. We are all the same in Russia. Your Highness, if I may observe, we saw mostly the very old men, mothers and little children. The younger, able-bodied men are in the fields in the summer. This time of year are in the forest chopping down trees for firewood and hunting for skins and meat. I repeat, the 25% we have met and talked to are a fair representation of the entire village of Costino. Absolutely. How shocking. Uh, I beg your pardon? Don't beg my pardon, Mayor Zuboff. Apologize to those who live in your village. I, I don't understand. What, what is wrong? Your Highness, aren't you being unduly harsh? Am I, Gregory? This is the fourth village I've been to today. And you tell me in thousands and thousands of Russian villages people live as they do here. But, Your Highness... Every mother I've talked to tells me they have given birth to ten, eleven babies. The Karnilova family and the Tsartoriskis have each had twenty babies, each. And of that number, only two, three or four are living. We saw the babies today running about naked in the snow and ice in their cotton shifts. Nineteen out of twenty dying. Are there no doctors here? Oh, yes. The towns of Starma and Garski and ourselves. We have one doctor just for the three of us. One doctor. <laughs> Not many villages can boast of that. Gregory, I want a complete report prepared on how many doctors Russia has in the provinces and how many people they are responsible for. If there are not enough doctors, we must start medical colleges and train more, without delay. Now do you understand what I meant about improvement? Do you, Gregory? As always, Your Majesty. Mayor Zhubov, you have been present at a significant day in our history. A monarch who intends to make life better for everyone. In every way. It is ignorance we have to fight. Not enough schools. We shall have them. Not enough seeds for crops. We shall have them. Coal, wood, furs, they shall all have them. Nineteen out of twenty babies must not die. That is an irreparable loss to Russia. Mother was enthroned as empress two days after my eighth birthday. I was never in the best of health, but suddenly I became very ill. As I try to piece together those early days of my life, I wonder now, was it me she was afraid of losing, or the crown? Gregory, where have you been? I've made a dozen trips to the head of the stairs waiting for you. My me. dear Catherine, I came as quickly as I could. How is the boy? The doctors have no idea what it is. I've had both Luders and the staff surgeon here for hours. They don't know what to make of it. Dr. Luders is with Paul now. I wish you didn't have to use those two doctors. What are you talking about? Why? Didn't you know? They were in attendance in those last hours of Peter's life. What has that to do with them? They're the best doctors in Russia. Why, Luders assisted when Paul was born. This palace is a breeding ground for rumors. And already the word is on every Moscow street. What word? Gregory, why are you so cryptic? My dear one, I'm only trying to save your feelings. Your Highness, uh, the doctor asks, will you come quickly? Uh, never mind, I shall go to the Empress. What is it, Doctor? Uh, your Majesty, 
I'm afraid the boy may have smallpox. My poor little boy. Why do you think it's smallpox? Uh, high temperature chills, aches. When could you know definitely? In one or two weeks. Uh, then the blisters will manifest themselves. We cannot wait. This awful pox is with us again. Catherine, there's always been smallpox in Russia. Always does not mean forever. Doctor, who knows more about the disease than any other doctor? In Russia, nobody. Russia isn't the world. England, France, Germany, America, where? Well, there is a Scotch doctor called Dimsdale. He has a, a method of preventing smallpox. He calls it inoculation. Have him here. Get him here at once. Whether my baby has the pox or not, if there's a way to stop an outbreak, I want to find it and use it. You mean treat every person in Russia? If need be, yes. Certainly every child. Dr. Luders, you may leave us, and please let me know the moment the Scotch doctor arrives in Moscow. Uh, your Highness's wishes will be obeyed. My darling, you have no idea of what you are attempting to do. Treat every Russian child against smallpox. They may die of the inoculations. They will die anyway. If we don't avail ourselves of the latest medical science can offer, ours might be the last generation of Russians on Earth. we today take for granted were in Catherine's day regarded akin to witch medicine. It wasn't until Catherine had herself inoculated, followed by Orloff himself, that St. Petersburg and Moscow followed suit and set the example. Inoculation hospitals went up everywhere and the epidemic was brought under control. But what of Paul, Catherine's son? His story is yet to unfold. I shall return shortly with Act Two. Hello, this is John Amos. You know, Jack Spratt had the right idea cutting down on saturated fat. Ask your doctor about the relation between diet and heart disease. It's easy, and it's vitally important. For information, write your American Heart Association. We're fighting for your life. Curtain rang down on Act One, only moments had passed. Catherine has set into motion plans to immunize the country against smallpox. Her son Paul, however, still lies feverish, seized, and stricken. The mysterious murder of her husband hangs like a cloud over every village square, and now word is abroad that her son Paul is also wasting away. Her dearest friend and lover, Gregory Orloff, sits with Catherine outside the boy's bedroom. Gregory, are you going to tell me, or do I have to ask you again, the rumors abroad in Moscow, what are they? You aren't going to like this, Catherine. I shall like it a lot less if you don't stop beating about the bush. Paul's illness is no state secret. There is talk. There is talk. Certainly there is talk. He is the only heir apparent. If something should happen to him, who would inherit my throne? But the talk is not friendly. They say that having done away with your husband, you're trying to do the same to your son death by slow poison. No. No, no. How horrible. Who believes such lies? People who spread such lies. Are they deserving? It proves what I have said all along. Those who speak with the tongues of ignorance must be taught 
I hope Dr. Ludus understood I wanted heaven and earth moved. And Scotland. To get that doctor here. Until my son is well again, I shall not leave his side. I understand. Gregory, you might also make the rest of the world understand. Give out the news that Catherine II, Empress of all the Russians, is maintaining a day and night vigil at the bedside of her ailing son. Do you have that? Every word. That ought to stop those rumors. It shall be done, my queen. I was very ill, it's true. And it is true that Mother did sit up with me through it all, day and night until the fever broke. It was only years later that I came to suspect her attention was not prompted by parenthood, but politics. And in that jungle, she trusted one particular man, Nikita Panin. Nikita had been my tutor, and in his own way, also taught my mother. Uh, my, uh, my dear Catherine, if you do not feel up to stuff, uh, I tell you what I tell everyone. Take quinine. Any physical ailment, it can cure. Nikita, I think mine are more mental. But I shouldn't complain now that my Paul has regained his health. Oh, uh, that's a very bright boy you have given birth to, my dear Catherine. I, I don't think it's too soon to inoculate him with more than the anti-smallpox vaccine. Nikita... Will you stop talking in riddles? Uh, it's my fault, really. I instilled in Paul a love of Shakespeare, and he, he knows all of them in, in English. So he has a feeling for the other man. Take, take him with you, Catherine, to council meetings, to discussions with the ministers. You can always explain the fine points to the boy afterwards, especially now that you have begun the rule of Catherine the Second. I've had it in mind, Nikita. But I don't make a very good showing at the meetings. My plans are not what you might call enthusiastically received. I want hospitals, scientific academies, colleges, homes for the poor. Look at this. I'm up at five in the morning and a pile of miettes are on my work table. Look at these. Reasons by the score from every government branch saying why this cannot be done... Where do we find the money for that? Defense action. Nothing risked, nothing lost. Catherine, you set some time limits, you see? And uh, some jail sentences. Oh, you'll be amazed how quickly ways and means will be found for all of your plans. I trusted my old teacher, Nikita Panin, and so did Mother. She had one other friend, her best and most personal... Uncle Gregory. Prince Gregory Orloff, one of the great war heroes. But he'd had something to do with the death of my father, so I instinctively disliked him. Had I known then what I know now, had I been able to see myself as Hamlet saying to his mother, Mother, for the love of grace, confess yourself to heaven. Repent what's past. Avoid what is to come. Gregory... Now that Paul has recovered, I want a hospital built in Moscow in his name. Is that all, Your Majesty? I don't care for that tone of voice, Gregory. No, that is not all. There is money in the land, and I have sent experts out to propose what crops we should grow. I've sent landowners to England to learn how they rotate crops, clover and rye, with turnips and so forth. Why can't we do that? My dear little farmerette. There's no need for our treasury to be empty. We are going to import silkworms. We'll do away with the old methods of sheep and cattle breeding. May I say something? No. We need an exchange of information where all landowners can contribute to a pool of knowledge. I have such plans. That is fine for Russia. 
But what about me? What a question. You were part of Russia, my love. Do you take any pride to know the rest of Europe thinks we're an ignorant, disorganized, superstitious, backward civilization? Catherine, that is not true. Don't you contradict me. It is true. Why do we quarrel when I love you so much? You're a dreadful man. I am serious about my adopted country and you talk of love. To pay me off like an old pensioner. A reward? Reward? What are you talking about? You don't know. You have no idea. A man who has done battle at Zondorf, who has remained alive while 20,000 of his comrades died on the field, knows what it is to dare. A man who has been wounded three times, but remains fighting with his platoon. Gregory. You admired me once for that. You called me your war hero. Gregory, my darling. What has come over you? The truth has come over me. The truth that Catherine the Great would still be married to Peter the Monster if I had not taken a hand. No, my dear. Money, land, titles, and decorations do not satisfy me. What do you want? I want you, my darling. Not as an occasional lover, but as your husband. You want that? Now you're a widow, you can marry. Do you think my comings and goings here are court secrets? Perhaps we could be married secretly. I want an end to secrets. Now let me ask you plainly. Is there love between us? Or isn't there? Yes, my dearest Gregory. There is. Then make up your mind. And let me know your decision soon. Nikita. What shall I do? Gregory Orloff wants to marry me. Shall I marry him? Don't. Nikita, can you spare more than one word in an answer? Don't, don't, don't. And if that isn't a long enough answer, I add four more don'ts. I'm a widow. I could marry him. If you were four widows, you should not. You have no idea how much I love him. Yes, yes, that is true. I, I have no idea. But, Catherine, freedom of choice is not yours. A Tsarina does not marry for love. She marries in order to forward Russia's foreign policy. Always? Always. No, Nikita Panin. My mother-in-law, while she was the Empress Elizabeth, married for love. She married Alexis Razumovsky, didn't she? Uh, uh, so it is said. But I, I, I have never seen the marriage certificate. He was the son of a Ukrainian farmer, wasn't he? My mother-in-law was mad about uh, him. Yes, uh, so I've heard tell. He was a beautiful man, like my Gregory. So I cannot blame her. And when she became empress, she married him in secret. Do you see what that does for me, Nikita? Yes. Yes, I see. You're hoping for a precedent. But as I say, there was never any tangible evidence that a Russian empress married a farmer's son. I shall find that evidence. I'm going to see Razumovsky myself. What a delight to see you again, little Catherine. Come, come. Sit here by the fire. Now that I am over 60, I feel the cold more than I did at 30. <laughs> I'll be glad to join you. Alexis Razumovsky, you don't look any different. Nor do you, Catherine. Catherine, why are you here? My dear Alexis Razumovsky, I want to marry a man who has no family title. 
does not represent a country we wish to be allied with. In short, of no royal blood. Ah, but he is a superb soldier, decorated half a dozen times. A brave, brave man. You know who I mean? The handsomest of the Orloff brothers, Gregory. How did you know? <laughs> I may have retired from the life of the court, but I have not retired from the human race. <laughs> However, my dear, you are an empress, and marrying a commoner is not so easy. I am sure Nikita Panyin has warned you. But Alexis, I wouldn't be the first, would I? So, that is why you came to see me. Alexis, you must have a marriage certificate to the Empress Elizabeth. If it could be shown that my mother-in-law married, um... Beneath her station. If it could be proved she married for love, it would be an acceptable precedent. And at the right moment, it would help me marry Gregory Orloff. A marriage certificate. <laughs> you are a charming girl. And it is not easy to deceive or refuse you. Let me see what documents I have in this ebony box. I keep the little key around my neck. My dear friend, you are helping me. Is it that rolled up paper tied with pink silk? Is that it? The silk of memories. We shall undo it and read. May I see what it says? No, no, not yet. I want to read every word alone. Uh, is the fire warm enough for you? Whatever happened to Nikolai, who was going to bring in some more wood? I'm <laughs> very warm, thank you. This piece of paper, I kiss it in memory and love. And I make a little sign of the cross over it. And I return to the fireplace. Alexis, what are you doing? A toss of my hand and the document in the pink silk are consumed in the fire. Why did you do that? All these years, it was the best memory I had. What a bright flame it makes. That was your wedding certificate to my Aunt Elizabeth, wasn't it? Now, I see nothing but black ashes in the fire. Should anyone ever ask you, dearest little Tsarina of the Ashes, tell them... Alexis Razumovsky was never anything but the late Empress's most faithful slave. You destroyed the proof. Oh, dear me, Catherine, what an imagination. You have no idea what I threw into the fire. And if you wish to have a closer look into this ebony box of mine, you will see for yourself there is no written proof of any kind that a farmer's son ever married an empress. If it is your desire to marry Count Orloff against the advice of all who serve you, so be it. If you believe you can keep such a marriage secretly locked in a box as others may have before you, so be it. But I, Alexis Razimovsky, cannot grant you a free ticket to such a destination. Paul grew up. His mother Catherine ruled alone. 
the Russians never quite accepting her since she had been born in Germany. But Gregory Orloff did not disappear from court. There were those who plotted against his life. But the greatest struggle of the age was between mother and son. And that will come to a head when I return shortly with Act Three. born Sophie Anhalt Zerbst, a German married at 15, is now in her 30s, the widowed empress of all the Russians. She's a quixotic woman of many moods, some weakness, and more strength. Yet all her life she was prey to a love-hate kinship with her own son, Paul. The result? She withheld from him trust and true affection. In spite of Mother's promises, I was not allowed to take part, nor even permitted to observe how our government was run. Was Mother afraid of me? I saw many performances of Hamlet that winter. The plots, unforgettable. And the characters. Was Hamlet me? I thought of Peter, my father murdered. I spoke as Hamlet, that it should come to this. So excellent a king, so loving to my mother. Heaven and earth, must I remember? And yet, within a month, let me not think on it. Frailty, thy name is woman. Paul, Paul, is that you? It is not, nor it cannot come to good. But break my heart, for I must hold my tongue. There you are. Nikita and I were wondering where you had got to. A dear father murdered. And mother, you would hasten to incestuous shades. Paul, come back. Nikita, what can I do? Did you see that? He ran out of the room. It is very sad. You heard what he said. Lines from some poetic drama, wasn't it? Uh, Shakespeare. He is still impressionable and thinks of himself as Hamlet. He simply won't listen to reason. Uh, the words are Shakespeare's, but he, he confuses himself with the prince, and not of Russia, but of Denmark. And to him, you, Catherine, his mother, are Gertrude, the queen. So the old accusation still rankles. I killed his father. Yes, and Gregory Orloff, whom you wish to marry, is the king's brother who married Gertrude. What can I do to make Paul understand that Gregory is my dearest and best friend? That I love him still? Perhaps if we could marry... No, no, no. That would only tear you further apart from your son. Peter was weak. He was evil. Uncontrollable. What would they have done if I had not been strong enough and able to assume the crown? Uh, you, they will accept alone. Forget the idea of marriage to Gregory Orloff. Put it out of your mind forever. The world knows his brother Alexis was one of those whose hands throttled the Tsar Peter. You cannot associate yourself with that murder. Now I understand the meaning of fate. Paul, is that you? Please come here. I, I shall go. Now is the time to tell him everything. Paul! Cat and mouse, listening at doors, yet unable to face the truth and enter. Well, he must have loved his father very much. Nikita, he doesn't know his father. 
He thinks that Peter's blood runs in his veins. That was the true tragedy of our marriage. I don't know how I can face telling my son who his real father is. You may ask why I did not discover the truth until I was a young man. I think because as a child you close your eyes and accept. Mine were opened wide one day as I stood in the palace hall looking into a mirror. Reflected from the wall behind me was the painting of a man who I'd been told was a great friend of the family's, Serge Saltuikov. We both had the same mouth and the flat nose. Why didn't I have the sharp features of the man I thought was my father? Paul, what are you doing staring into the mirror? Mother, that painting behind us, who is it? You know who it is. Serge Saltuikov. I know who, but why? It's a strange question. Every day I've been coming to this place in the hall to look at myself and then at him. Mother, I think I see myself for the first time. What do you see, son? It isn't true. It's, it's a trick of the mirror, isn't it? Mother, isn't it? Oh, my darling boy. Was Serge Saltuikov my real father? Paul, sit here with me on this bench, will you please? I can see you are no longer a child, so I must talk to you as an adult and pray you will understand. I'll try, Mother. My late husband, Tsar Peter, was not a man who could love a woman. In the eyes of the church, our marriage was never consummated. Who am I? Wait. Russia had to have an heir. It was my duty to bear one. And so a young man of one of Russia's most ancient and noble families, allied to the Romanovs, was ordered to become my lover and your natural father. <laughs> just like that? No, Paul. Not just like that. We were brought together, found we had many mutual interests, got to like one another a great deal, and then fell in love. It was inevitable. Your natural father was not a nobody, Paul. He was a brilliant, engaging, and lovable young man who adored me. Had my marriage to Peter of Russia not been arranged by my parents, Serge would have been exactly the kind of man I could have devoted my life to. Was it only because your husband didn't want children? Was, was that all that came between you? It was the kind of man he grew up to be, Paul. I beg you, don't make me tell you. Mother, you have got to tell me. It's a sin to speak ill of the dead. <laughs> Of the murdered also? Oh, Paul, you're breaking my heart. Why do you keep accusing me? I had no hand in it. I never wanted him dead. No. Perhaps not. I, I, I don't know what comes over me and makes me say these ugly things. Paul, when you grow older, I hope you will never be denied the joy of someone close to you with whom you wish to share the days of your life. Loneliness. Especially the loneliness of those on a throne can be hell on earth. I wish it to no one. Your real father was a wonderful man. Paul, I don't regret it. I wish I could have known him. Will you swear to me you will never repeat to a living soul what I have told you? On my honor. I wish. I wish. All this could have been hidden from you. Dearest, dear mother, let me put my arms about you. Now, don't cry. Please, 
Don't, don't cry. How stupid and wicked I was. You have suffered so much. Look, here, in my pocket, I have a locket with Peter's face on it. I was going to find some miniature of Gregory Orloff and then present you with two of them. I don't, I don't understand. I, I rehearsed it all from Hamlet. <laughs> what a fool. What a fool. Don't you see? The closet scene. Hamlet with his mother. Look here upon this picture, mother. And on this. The counterfeit presentment, a murder, and a villain. <laughs> that from a shelf the precious diadem stole and put it in his pocket. My dear child, don't torture yourself. A king of sheds and patches. Shh, hush. Hush now, Paul. You're a man now. And whether my husband was your true father doesn't matter anymore. That is all past. Knowing him as I did, it may have all been for the best. Yes. Yes. But I am still your only mother, Paul. I am now... This minute and always will be. Now dry your eyes and stand up straight. I want you to join me in the minister's chambers. We haven't time to weep over dead yesterdays. Russia is shedding more tears today than you and I could ever weep. In the minister's chambers, I want you to sit beside me. There is so much to be done. And I need your help. Is that true, Mother? Do you really need me? My mother, may her name be forever blessed in Russian history, did more to start to free the serfs, more to protect the health and education of the living than any ruler before her. There's a saying in Russia, those who would rule reap the same joys and suffer the same pains. When Peter III ruled, he was strangled to death. When I, Paul I, became Tsar, I died the same way. Catherine was a survivor. This inexperienced German-born woman held on to a throne in a land where Germans were hated. This princess turned Tsarina, outlived rebellions, plots, and counterplots, and left a legacy of more beauty and new lines of thought than anyone before her. I shall return shortly. We would call such an energetic chief of state a workaholic. Fifteen hours a day was the usual. No wonder she had no time to mother her son, Paul. At the start of today's story, I ventured that Catherine's passion was power. I'd like to change that. It was patriotism. And that left personal happiness to be grabbed like a carousel's brass ring. Sometimes Catherine caught it. Most of the time she missed 
but Russia was always the better for her stewardship. An extraordinary woman who ruled over three decades and died in her own bed. In the cast with me were Russell Horton, Bernard Grant, and Earl Hammond. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is Tommy Grimes, inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.